And welcome in, everybody. Episode 65 of the Sports Gospel Podcast. Happy to have you here with us. Happy 4th of July week, recording this on the heels of hopefully everybody got the Monday off, some time with family and friends, and some time to relax. Austin, how did you spend your 4th? Blowing stuff up. That's that's America. Nah, I was just hanging out with my family. Got some good time with the family. We went down to the uh, we went down to the Portland waterfront, Tom McCall, and watched their Fourth uh, of July show because nice. the Fort Vancouver they canceled their they canceled it this year. We didn't learn that, and see, so we we maybe should have planned ahead, but knowing my family, we did it. Didn't read the newspaper for like the month leading up to it. Exactly, mm. and so we thought that we were going to go there, and then we realized that it was canceled at about seven thirty. Which is not the time to learn that it no. got canceled. No, <clears throat> and so we had to call an audible. Went down to Tomacall and watched their uh, watched their twenty minute light show and came nice. home and went to bed. Yeah, easy. Also, happy Bobby Benilla Day last Friday. Can you believe that he gets was it one point three million every until twenty twenty nine? I thought it was twenty thirty, but yeah, probably twenty twenty nine, and he hasn't played in at least fifteen years. 2002, I think. Yeah, I could get by on that million dollars a year. So. Yeah, that's not a bad uh, contract. So happy Bobby Benilla Day, happy Fourth of July. Hope it all went well for everybody. And Austin is currently bleeding from the mouth from eating a Dorito the wrong way, but we're fixing it with some Pepsi. Hey, do we know who the best number 65 is? Do you know? Uh, presumably a football player, or is there like a pitcher? There's probably like some fat closer from MLB that's really good. Eric Gagne is not fat. Okay. Yeah. Was he 66, though? Like, the first number that comes to my mind is Ray Nitschke, but he was 66. I can't think of a great NASCAR driver that was 65. Hockey players, what number is... Evgeny Malkin is 71. I can't think of a number 65. It's not. It's got to be probably an offensive lineman. Yeah, like some like John Hanna. Yeah. Some, Anthony Munoz or somebody like that. Something like that. I don't know. Nothing's coming up for me right now. We'll get to you by the end of the... Well, by the end of the day, we'll get it, though. That's your research project? That's my research project. So Darren and Austin, happy to have Austin here with us after a few weeks off and just going to kind of bat everything around this week. I have a whole laundry list of stuff that we can really just take as whatever the mood strikes us. NBA free agency, want to recap UFC 276, talk about the MLB standings, where we're at, because I feel like once you get to the 4th of July, this is when I care about baseball. It's kind of like basketball and hockey. I don't really care until Christmas. Now that we're through the 4th of July, now baseball starts to matter. Talk about the chaos that's going on with college football realignment, maybe Maybe we'll pick the new conferences. You've got Wimbledon going on. You've got the Live Golf Tournament, their first U.S. event here right in Austin's backyard. You have what yeah, NFL's always got something going on, and we crowned the first USFL champions. Oh, yeah. So no shortage of things to get to. We almost thought, felt like we were in a sports lull because there's no actual basketball, hockey, or football happening on the field, but all the player movement, NBA's kind of dominated. And I think we'll just start there. Big, big offseason for Mr. Suns fan over here. You could simultaneously lose and gain a great player. So I don't know which one of those you'd like to talk about first. Would you like to talk about Mr. Aiton or Mr. Durant? So my dad talked to me about this before. I said, what are the Suns missing? Obviously, because the Suns are missing uh, a piece to get to the championship to really win a championship. What are the Suns missing? And the what it basically came down to was they needed so they have two basically they're both their forwards are kind of built the same one is younger Mikel Bridges one is older Jay Crowder but they're kind of built the same Mikel Mikel Bridges obviously is an all defense everything he's just a three and D guy Jay Crowder kind of has built been built that way kind of his toughness has been he's a little bit of a shooter defensive guy 
So they need a wing scorer is basically what my dad, what my pops told me was they need somebody tall, somebody lanky, somebody who can get a bucket for you outside of what they have in Devin Booker. Because Chris Paul is kind of like that. He's more of the distributor type, but he's also 37 years old. So he's lost his legs quite a bit. So the idea of the Suns picking up Kevin Durant is like the number one most elite scorer maybe that we – that. We've ever seen play the in the NBA, regardless of what however old he is and whatever his, his injury past has and, and all those things. But uh, you know, I'm really pretty excited to see if he's going to come to Phoenix. I do think that he raises their opportunity and their chances of winning a championship significantly. So you would be an on Durant. You you would all be him. in now. And I don't all in. I don't know if this is how NBA teams look at it, but I feel like when you have a big deal, it resets the market. So when you look at Rudy Gobert and the giant deal that he got from the Wolves and everything the Wolves had to give up to get Gobert, if you're giving up, what I think it's three unprotected first rounds plus a pick swap and a protected first, and then four players, granted their role guys, I think Patrick Beverly was the best one they got in that deal. But if you're the Suns, I think you're giving up at least five first rounders. And is there, and Durant seems to be really dictating this, is he going to go to the Suns? if Paul and Booker are not there, like what does Kevin Durant want? Cause it basically sounds like Deandre Ayton's gone. So you just, I think move this forward, assuming Deandre Ayton's out. So would you, well, would you have to give up, you have to give up bridges, Crowder campaign and like five picks, five picks at is at least a, five. And that's the crazy part. Cause I don't, I mean, and again, like the, the, the market's value sets itself. So you can't, you have to go, you have to roll with it. But it, to think that Rudy Gobert is worth what he got in return is ludicrous in my opinion and now i said we're not we don't we're not we don't do the the, we're not hot takey but it just the the way that the market is set kevin durant is light years ahead of what rudy gobert is and what he can provide for a franchise um considering the fact that rudy gobert doesn't even get the ball passed to him on offense you know he's an all defensive everything but i mean you got to be able to play both ends of the floor to be really worth what we think NBA players are worth these days. And so to think that that is what they got in return for Rudy Gobert, you really do think that to be fair, the Suns probably have the most, some of the, one of the, they have a lot of depth and that was what carried them through the regular season last season. So they do have players, like you said, Cam Payne, Cam Bridges, or uh, Mikkel Bridges, uh, Cam Johnson, Jay Crowder. Um, if they do a sign and trade, um, with Aiden potentially. So they have pieces that they could uh, move players. But if you just look, JaVale McGee also left, so he's with the Mavericks now. So they only have one center on their roster in Bizak Biombo. So what are they going to do if they end up getting rid of DeAndre Aiden? Like, do they got to figure out that five spot too? And obviously, like, you have a big three of Chris Paul, Devin Booker, and Kevin Durant. That's good. Um, but you got to have a, also, you got to have a center. At least someone that's feasible, somebody that can protect the middle just enough. Um, to keep up with the likes of Joel Embiid, Carl Anthony Towns, potentially DeAndre Ayton, Nikola Jokic, right, and the other guys that are out there as well. So, yeah. so you're if if you had to, you'd you'd be okay giving up Bridges, Crowder. Let's throw in Landry Shamet as another body because you have to clear out some room. They don't have a whole lot of guys under contract. Like Bismack Biombo, like you mentioned, is he's the only big they currently have under contract, and he's not your starting five. But you are you okay giving up? Bridges, yes. for sure. Bridges and Jay Crowder. Yeah, absolutely. And like, let's let's say six. I think they're gonna have to give up at least six firsts. I don't even know draft the, capital they have or if they're gonna be trading away. To the like only 20, way that it would 32. be worth it would be basically if they rent a championship, kind of like what the Raptors did, right? And they would have to win it. 
and said that's the only re- that say yes it would be worth it if they win a championship but if they lease a championship and they don't get it and then Kevin Durant I mean he's not young he's still a stud he's not young though and so I, if that doesn't happen in the first two years that he's there and we don't have any first round picks we're going to turn to the Lakers really quick Right, and that and that's what I wonder if there's another big they could get packaged with this. I want to go over to the Nets roster quick and see if I can pull up who they have because looking at the according to CBS their rankings, the top seventy free agents, the only big sitting out there is Montrez Harrell, who's not a bad big. He'd be a gr- I think he could be a complimentary, give you that gritty, tough D powerhouse in the middle and let the other guys work. But I wonder if you could also get a big back with Kevin Durant because the, I think that yeah you've got you've got your guards that you've got. You've got your scoring and your guards. You've got Paul, you've got Booker, and you'd have Durant. But what are you going to do inside and about defense? Robin Lopez? Is he I thought still, he just signed with somebody. Is he still with the Nets? I could, he, I mean, he's played everywhere no. at this point. So, so they've got – well, under yeah, under contract, I don't see anybody here who's a – unless they do like a sign-and-trade type deal with one of their guys. But, yeah, not a lot of, not a lot of bigs out there floating around for them to grab. Yeah, so it's a tough deal. And again, you can make sure you can trade with someone else, and there could be a small trade there somewhere, and there could be a guy that shows up. Like, Bismarck Biombo kind of showed up out of nowhere. Um, and so he put in, not, he's not a starter. He's maybe a 15, 20 minute guy max, but uh, he was somebody that we didn't really know. He was a 10 day deal guy. Um, and then all of a sudden he started playing really well, and so they signed him to a full, a year long contract. And so um, who knows? Like, there are guys out there, and again, you don't need a superstar at the. You just need a guy that can get rebounds, can D up a little bit, and just is kind of a tough guy. Like a Javel McGee was a great was a great addition to the team, and obviously he's with the Mavericks now. But somebody like him that has good experience, uh, it would be some which would be a solid addition to any team. Well, it's like Serge Ibaka. I think just signed yesterday or today as we're recording this with the Bucks. I think he would have been a great guy, kind of your one year rental, whether or not you play him at the four or five. That big defensive smart. Uh, by all accounts, a great locker room guy. I think Serge Ibaka would have been a great get, but he's going ring chasing with the Bucks right now. Who? How is Serge Ibaka only 32 years old? He's been playing forever. That's what blows my mind. I get that they come to the NBA at 18 or 19, but I am stunned how young NBA players are. Well, when you come to the league at 18 years old, so you don't even, you can't even drink. You can't even celebrate your first championship. And none of them do drink before they're 21. Never. Nope. Not at all. Nope. Don't buy cigarettes. Don't buy lottery scratchers. Don't drink. They don't even have a fake ID. No. Why would you do that? Why would If you had $40 million a year, why would you spend it on a fake ID? I mean, if you got to get alcohol somehow. All right, so if you had to put your money down, we know that you're going to be a homer for the Suns. Because I'm not totally sold that the Heat and the Knicks are out of this deal. I think I've given up on the Bulls being in the running. But I think there's still a shot. I think it's between the Knicks, the Suns, and the Heat. Why the Knicks? Because they have a bunch of money and they're terrible. I don't think he's going to go to the Knicks just because they're the crosstown team. I think that one is crossed off strictly because they want to be petty. Hmm. But would they want to keep him in the East? I think that's also helping. Grant, the Nets are going to be terrible in their rebuilding, so that's not like, oh, we're going to be competing with the Heat for championships anytime soon. The Nets are terrible now. Well, only going to get worse when we keep getting into that. But that's why I think it helps the Suns to be in the West and maybe give them a leg up on the Heat. Yeah, you know, I, I think he fits well with the Heat too, but it's just a matter of because initially the Nets were talking about, well, the only reason way we're going to trade him is if we get uh, Devin Booker back. And they want they also wanted uh, Bam for the Heat. And it's just, right. 
just and then as soon as that came to conversation, it just seemed very unreasonable. And I get why you'd want to say that because you want to get a star for a star. But at the end of the day, like those are two pieces that neither franchise are going to be willing to give up. So, had to put your money down today, Suns fan. Kevin Durant will be playing Suns. Suns next year. Suns. Do you want him long term? Are you good with a one or two year Kawhi deal? I'm good with a championship. Okay. I don't care if it takes one year or five. Also, this idea of him going back to the Warriors, I think, is absurd. But how about that? If we if if you have your if you have your Chris Paul Booker Durant Suns, are they automatically the best team in the West? Are they better than the Warriors? Because I still think the Warriors are the class of the West. I don't think anybody's gotten better over the offseason. Nuggets haven't gotten better. Blazers are rebuilding. Jazz are rebuilding. Clippers are close. Lakers, who knows what's going to happen there. We can get to them in a minute. Pelicans haven't gotten better. Pelicans are getting Zion back, though. Well, I heard that before. Hey, well, he has signed, so I mean, he's coming back. The, I guess I, you, you can consider the Wolves if you think Cat and Anthony Edwards are going to have their breakout now that you've added Rudy Gobert. Gobert and Kyle Anderson's a good piece. The Grizzlies, maybe. I do like the Grizzlies. I do. I think they're going to be a really fun team. They just got to stay healthy. I yep. mean, and it is funny to think that they were better if they were more efficient without John Morant than with John Morant. But you yep. need John Morant to win a championship, yep. I think. So, so looking at the top guys out there, most of the dust has settled. This basically anything that has to do with the Nets is really what's holding it up. DeAndre Ayton, I'd say, is the best guy still sitting out there. Zach Levine resigning with the Bulls. Bradley Beal goes back to the Wizards. Anthony Simons and Nurkic staying with the Blazers. Mitchell Robinson staying with the Knicks. Bobby Porter staying with the Bucks. So a lot of the guys are staying home. Colin Sexton is curious, still sitting out there. Uh, Miles Bridges, as we mentioned last week with the off-the-court stuff. Qu- big question mark on him now. And then every just everything in the Nets' orbit. Because one guy I think we've kind of forgotten about is James Harden. In all the talk of Kyrie and Durant, we forgot, oh, James Harden didn't sign his deal. I'd be shocked if he leaves the Sixers. I think they're going to pay him way too much money. He and Daryl Morey seem to have this great relationship. I think he wants a max deal, but I don't know that anybody's foolish enough to give it to him with kind of the decline we saw in the last year or two. But is 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 there some crazy situation where Harden, Kyrie, and Durant, somehow two of those three end up together again, or did they try that experiment and realized it was a bad idea? So Because I feel like we've talked, well, Kyrie and Durant want to be traded. They want to play together, but they want to play somewhere else. We're forgetting that James Harden and Ben Simmons also need to be factored into all this. Those four... Some some yeah. connect those four, how all those pieces fall is gonna be intriguing. Yeah, and say no, the answer is no. But it would be fascinating and again, this is a weird deal. Like you look at what the Lakers do, and I think I think that the Kyrie is gonna end up playing for the Lakers with LeBron James, and LeBron James is notoriously not a very good general manager. Um, and so he might you know, in a weird way convince Russell or not Russell Westbrook, but uh James Harden to come play for him. I so I don't think that's gonna happen, but I is it if it's one in a million, that would be the one in a million would be if they all ended up on the Lakers. Because um, I don't think that they're gonna ever play really ever together again. Am, you, I, am I the only person who would give up Anthony Davis for some other pieces? I'm I think the Nets would be willing to take Russell Westbrook just to help the Lakers out and like, okay, we're gonna be terrible, we'll you know do a do a rust for Kyrie trade but i just i would get i would do that give me i will give you Kyrie and Durant you give me Russ and AD and a bunch of draft picks but everybody's talking about AD being untouchable and unmovable yeah cuz he's the face of the franchise but if Kevin Durant is an option Kevin Durant's not going to LA though you're you're sure of that i'm fairly positive okay LeBron James doesn't want to play with another ball centric player 
I said, just the fact that Kyrie would end up going there would be ridiculous. I just, I th- and we talked about this last week. I thought, I thought Kyrie and LeBron were a bit frosty in their relationship after Cleveland. They were, and Kyrie is a strange man to begin well, with. There's that. But they, it was, Kyrie was young, and I think Kyrie has also learned that winning a championship is really hard. And he had the best player in the world when he did it. And right. he doesn't realize what it took to actually do it because he was playing alongside the best player in the world at that time. Um, and so I think that he kind of realizes that it's not just that it doesn't just happen, even though he was the guy that made the shot. Um, and so I think that he's kind of overcome that part of his mentality, even though he has other things um, that we don't need to discuss right now. I think I asked Andrew this question last week. If you had to have Kyrie, Russ, James Harden, or Ben Simmons on your team, which one do you want? Right now? Yeah. Kyrie. See, I'm I'm just I'm an, a Russell Westbrook apologist, so I get it, but No, I, I love Russ. I I love Russ. I just like that he's going to show up. Not only is he going to play, he plays every minute of every game, you know, for better or worse, but he's the one who's there. Like he's the one who was, who's most dedicated to the game, I feel like. Yeah, I just don't think that right now his game is not the game. He can't shoot, and it's, I do appreciate his hustle and his effort and everything that he gives to the game, but he just it's not the game right now. And I, I just I don't know that there's a lot of players that fit with him in this style that is going on and taking control over the NBA. So it would be hard for me to play with him or to have him on a team. I get you have LeBron James, so that's equal to like 10 of any other player, but I don't know what the Lakers are going to do because under contract they have Russ, AD, and LeBron. Okay, there's most of your – salary you've still got talon horton tucker you've got guys like kendrick nunn stanley johnson damian jones as role players but if they get rid of russ and they don't get somebody like you would have to get a Kyrie or kd back in return i just i don't see how this roster competes when you see how well the warriors are doing and they signed uh they got kevon looney to come back was the big one yes they lost gary payton and otto porter but kept a lot of those guys in tow. I just I don't see how the Lakers are better than the Warriors right now or what they can do to get better. The Lakers are not even going to make the playoffs next year. They didn't make the playoffs this year, and they're right. going to be just as bad. But how bad is the West getting around them? I don't know. Have How is as how many teams in the West have taken a step back? Spurs. One. Who also didn't make the playoffs. So, I mean, Phoenix will be there. Memphis will be there. Golden State will be there. Kawhi's coming back. Dallas will presumably be there. Denver will be there. Uh, so I think your wild cards, you're looking at Utah, if Utah is tearing it down for scrap. So I think so. we had 10 teams, remember, because everybody makes the playoffs now. Right. I think Utah's back to the bottom. The Spurs are back to the bottom. And really what happens with New Orleans. So I think you've for sure got – so you've got Phoenix, Memphis, Golden State, Dallas, Denver. Those five are in. I think Minnesota looks good now. I think those six are in the Clippers. That's seven. And then you're between... Portland, L.A., L.A., or Portland, L.A., New Orleans. Yeah, I mean, you've got Houston, Oklahoma City. I mean, the Kings are always going to be the Kings. I think the Spurs go backwards. I think you've got seven that are in there. And then you get to looking. I think Los Angeles is going to make it just because San Antonio is going backwards, Utah is going backwards, Portland, Sacramento, Oaks, uh, OKC are not catching up. Who knows what's going on with the Pelicans if Zion's truly back and healthy. And The Pelicans were good last year, though. Yeah, but they need Zion to be a... To maybe to be a contender. But yeah, they, get in that top six. But they made the playoffs last year. I mean, they started off 3-16 and, and ended up... 
almost I mean they end up with what 37 wins or something around that range so they basically were five playing 500 ball after they end up start three and 17 see what happens when you get CJ McCollum it's a weird deal What else is going on NBA free agency that we haven't talked about? I feel like we covered a lot of the big stuff. We're just kind of waiting for the other shoe to fall. And yeah, who knows what's going to actually happen? It's just, I mean, as we really are just like waiting for Cinderella to figure crap out. Yeah, this the the Kevin Durant deal because I think we've we kind of have an idea. I don't know that there was really any earth shaking moves. Like, yes, the Bulls getting Levine keeps them in contention. Bradley Beal's going to make a bunch of money, and the Wizards are going to surround him with nothing else. Jalen Brunson to the Knicks is, yeah, it's a big deal for the Knicks, but are they always going to be the Knicks? How much does he really help them? It's the, this, whatever's going on with the Nets and everybody tied to them and then DeAndre Ayton. I think DeAndre Ayton going to the Hawks could be a big deal. That could really move things in the East. But otherwise, I still feel like we're kind of in the same boat of still the Bucks out East, still the Warriors and Suns out West, maybe the Clippers. I don't know that we had anything seismic until this Durant situation figures out. Yeah, hurry up and wait. That's what we're doing right now. Hurry up and wait. What do you do? Did you watch UFC 276 this weekend? N- this weekend? No, I was playing softball all weekend. How was that for a obtuse, clunky transition? So UFC 276 happened this weekend, and it's one of the few that I actually went out to a bar and spent money and cover charge to go watch and was not worth the money. Um, for anybody looking out there. But just uh, kind of a snoozer. You got all excited about all these big fights, the Adesanya-Cannoneer fight, who talked about last week. Yeah, we like uh, Cannoneer, but Adesanya is just on a different level. And I know you're not a pro wrestling fan because you never let me talk about AEW and the Forbidden Door and WWE. But you know what I'm talking about when I talk about The Undertaker, correct? Yeah. And The Undertaker's entrance? Yeah. So Israel Adesanya basically commandeered that for his entrance, and it was fantastic. They started out with the bells, and I was like, wait a minute, I know that, or I guess gong, technically. I know that sound. And then he comes out, he's got the hat on, he's carrying the urn, they've got the smoke, it's all like dark and atmospheric. Then he gets to the cage and raises his hands, and the lights come on, just like it's The Undertaker, and I absolutely loved it. That was the best part of his fight, though. The only part of the fight, or the best part? That was the best part. They went five, so championship fights are five rounds, five minutes each, and they went to a decision, and Adesanya just kind of, his... He fights with a very different style because he's so tall and lanky, but has all that power. So he just kind of dangles his hand out there, and you can't get inside of his range. But it was just snooze fest in that one. Volkanovski and Holloway was all right, a little bit more action, but basically Alexander Volkanovski established himself as perhaps the best featherweight of all time. Uh, Alex Pereira, Sean Strickland was probably the best fight. Uh, Barbarina and Lawler was all right, but 276, you had the Sean O'Malley, Pedro Munoz eye poke. That was like, okay, that's kind of dull, but... I think UFC typically does one of their best cards of the year on 4th of July weekend. And this one, a lot of good names, some decent fights, but you kind of got to the top and it was like, oh, two, two fights that went the distance, but were not like enthralling. These weren't Forrest Griffin and Stefan Bonner type fights. So good thing you were playing softball instead of watching UFC 276. But it's, it's interesting to see where Adesanya and Volkanovski go. They're both steadily cleaning out their divisions. I feel like we're getting to the point where I know some of the purists hate these, but the super fights... The flyweight and bantamweight have their own stuff to figure out, but I would love to see Alexander Volkanovsky go up and take on lightweight. UFC's best division with the Charles Oliveira situation is unfortunate with him missing weight and getting stripped of the belt, but between Oliveira, Poirier, Gaethje, and Islam Makhachev, I think the four of them have a championship situation to figure out, and I'd love to see Volkanovsky move up and get in there because he's a pretty thick featherweight, 
and we'll see what happens with Ortega and Yair Rodriguez in their upcoming fight. That may be a title eliminator if he gets through that one, moves up and takes on some guys at lightweight. Same with Israel Adesanya. He's kind of done everything he can do at middleweight. He went up to light heavyweight one time, and Jan Blachowicz beat him up. It's the first time we've ever seen Adesanya lose, but I'd love to see an Adesanya-Kamara-Usman fight. Usman's got a little bit more to do at welterweight. The UFC is in this position with these guys just holding down court in their divisions, Adesanya and Volkanovski. I think it's time to move around to some other divisions, get some more super fights, whether Adesanya and Usman do a catchweight. He moves up and takes on uh, somebody at light heavyweight. But... UFC 276, not the best card I've ever seen, but it may set these guys up for better future fights and get some more action going forward. But you get to see a lot of the fun guys, Brian Barberina, Robbie Lawler, Donald Cerrone, some of the, they put the, the fun fighters on the card. I'll at least give them credit for that. Yeah, you got to have some fun with it if you're going to do it. Ain't that right. Or you run outside and play softball. Or you run outside and play softball. Or you read about Gary Zimmerman, who is the best number 65. Who is he? What did he do? Sounds like a pitcher name. He was an offensive tackle for the Minnesota Vikings. Oh, of course, you're picking a Minnesota Viking. <laughs> Haters. Also, that sound you're hearing is Austin chewing a sucker directly into the microphone. I wasn't chewing any sucker. We're in a, we're he in also a... went to the University of Oregon, if you're curious. Oh, so, so doubling down on the doubling Homer down. picks. Did he also like try out for the Phoenix Suns at some point in time so we can just bring this full circle? No, he won a Super Bowl with the Denver Broncos. Sucker. Never won a Super Bowl with the Vikings, did he? Why do you got to bring that up? No, sorry. Why is that a thing? You want to talk about American League or National League first? Uh, you choose. Let's go AL because it's at the top of the page. It's not so easy. Go ahead. So by easy, you mean the Yankees and then everybody else? Yeah, it's Yankees and then the Red Sox are catching them and so are the Astros, but easy. I yeah. don't know about catching them. It is So if the playoffs started today, you would have four teams getting out of the East. So apologies to the Baltimore Orioles. Yankees crushing it. And then you've got a great race between... The Red Sox, the Jays, and the Rays, and my beloved Blue Jays are sitting there in the middle. I'd like to see them kind of move out of that play-in game situation. But your Twins are somehow, I believe, the third best record. So your your seeds right now for the playoffs: the Yankees one, Astros two, Twins three, Boston four, Toronto five, and Tampa six. You've got the Cleveland Guardians and dare I say the Seattle Mariners floating around five hundred, just sitting on the outside. For a month now, we've been saying, wait for the White Sox. They're going to get hot and get into it, and it uh, just keeps not happening for them. I've convinced that the NL had eight teams that are we've already decided these are the eight and they're running for six positions, but I feel like the AL is kind of getting to that point. You have the six teams that are in, and then maybe only three on the outside looking in. We may already be down to nine in the AL. Yeah, the Yankees started off, it was ridiculous. I think they were on pace at one point for 124 wins, 123 wins, whatever the pace is, and so I don't know if they're going to be the record. I think they're right now on pace for 118. So it is basically the Yankees and everybody else. But you do remember, so you, just because you can make it to the playoffs with the best record doesn't mean that you're going to win a World Series. So just because they are winning does not mean that they are built to win a World Series championship. And I'm not saying that they're not because I think they probably have one of the best lineups when you think about Rizzo and Judge and Gene Carlos Stanton and everybody else that is combined in that lineup. It's a pretty solid lineup. I forget they have Rizzo. I always forget that he's there and that the Cubs sold off everybody last year. Everybody. And so uh, I'm not saying that they're not built for the play are not built for the playoffs, but so just because you get the, the 116 win Mariners teams, not to bring up horror stories, lost in the championship series to the Yankees, and so nobody says that that can't happen this, again this year. So I'm not predicting that the Mariners are going to make it to the World Series. I think that would be crazy. Um, it'd be awesome, uh, but you know who knows what can actually happen. But it's been a fun season to watch again as a Twins fan. 
Uh, I always think that we've been, I mean, we it's a well-ran franchise. We're one of those typical, you know, northern Midwest conservative franchises that kind of just doesn't take a lot of risks. And they took a couple of risks this year when they signed Carlos Correa, um, Gio Urshela, you know. They signed a couple of different big uh, big players, and they've been able to keep Byron Bucks and healthy. And sure enough, when you do uh, those things and you have a great combination, you have the number one bat, uh, the they you have the Luis Arias leads the league in uh, batting average. And so yeah, it's a great good good combination for a lot of wins, um, and so even though they're the fourth place team um, by record, they are hanging on hanging hanging in there. So they're doing a good job as well. And they're, I mean, Jordan Alvarez is playing out of his mind, and we know what the Astros have. He's been really, I mean, he's been there for a while, but really taking a step up this year to lead them. I'm just trying to think if Minnesota has the the horses to get ahead of any of these teams. I don't think anybody's catching the Yankees for however much being the one seed in the postseason does for you. I think you'd feel a lot better if you're Minnesota and you got up to that two level, but I I kind of feel like we're already entrenched. Yankees one, Astros two, everybody else is playing for that three through six, and I just I wonder if the White Sox, or especially the Angels, we talk about they have maybe the two best baseball players on the planet, if not two of the top five, in Shohei Otani and Mike Trout, but they're behind the Rangers right now, or tied with the Rangers, depending on how you want to look at it. And trailing the Mariners, like are the Mariners really a better team than Texas or Los Angeles? It's the West is weird. We know the A's are going to be bad. Sorry, Josh, but worst team in baseball, dare I say, are the A's right now? And why are we sorry? Oh, maybe I guess we don't have to be. But just the A's suck, Josh. <laughs> do you, <laughs> do you have faith in Cleveland, Chicago, or even the Angels being better than what we're seeing out east? No. I said you, you're asking the wrong guy that question first of oh, all because I do not like the White Sox and I do not like the Guardian Guardians. But uh, this, I think that the White Sox, as you said, like we've been waiting for them to get hot. They're just playing too inconsistent baseball. And honestly, and I say, I say this as a baseball traditionalist, the their manager now Tony La Russa, is too old school, um, and he's not taking things into the hands of what we what the new school analytics says that baseball should be. And so you can, don't have to agree with. How, with what that is, but you have to understand that that's where baseball is going, and that's how people are winning games right now. And so, if you're not willing to lean into that, then you're just going to struggle. And I think that's kind of what's happening with them a little bit is where they're just deciding that we're going to win a World Series like it was 2004, and it's not 2004 anymore, and you're not going to win a World Series that way. I'm looking at some of the stats, and apparently, New Era Baseball tells me to sign a bunch of guys who hit home runs because the Yankees have three of the top ten guys in home runs in the entire majors, and Judge Stanton and Rizzo, like you mentioned. Yeah, and said so that's kind of where baseball is going. And it said not everybody enjoys that brand of baseball. And again, like Tony Russo was the manager of Ricky Henderson. Like he was on those, he was a part of those teams that, you know, the run in and they were doing, they were playing baseball. It was totally different baseball. But um, as we stand now, like it's coming. Like if you're if you're batting two fifty and you hit fifty home runs in a season, you're an all star player um, and you're an MVP candidate. So that's what they're looking for these days. Instead of the uh, the flash and dash that was the you know the nineties and the two thousands. So. Um, it's just a little different baseball game, and, and so that's okay. But it's, you also have to lean into it because that's the way that, that that's going. And if you don't lean into it, then you may struggle winning games overall. Do you know who the best player in the National League is right now? No. Paul Goldschmidt. Is he the best player? If you had to, if you had to give out an NL MVP right now, I'm going with Paul Goldschmidt. Looking at the numbers, he's crushing it. Okay. St. Louis kind of middle of the pack. This is our. This is how we're pivoting to the National League. That's what, that's what I did. Okay. 
I'm, I'm, I'm here for it. The the Mets and the Dodgers in their two-horse race there at the top. Who expected this out of the Mets? The the polar bear. I feel like Pete Alonso has become everybody's favorite player. And, yes, getting in, being in New York, you're going to get more attention. That's how we got Lynn Sanity, and that's how Matt Harvey was a big deal for about three months. So Pete Alonso is going to get that attention. But I feel like he's been the star of baseball this year, and everybody loves him. You got Atlanta hanging in there, just kind of quietly biding their time. And then Philadelphia, just on the outside looking in right now, I believe. you got the Mets, Braves, going to the Central, Milwaukee. Not surprising that they're up there. And then the Cardinals always going to be in. So you got those are top four. And then you've got the Dodgers and the Padres. So two teams from each of the divisions right now. Can never be sure about the Giants. They're always going to be in contention. And then the Phillies. So like I mentioned, I think you have eight teams. It's already stratified in the National League. Mets, Braves, Phillies, Brewers, Cardinals, Dodgers, Padres, Giants. So I think those are already your eight. We're going to get down to six. Cincinnati's fallen off again. We know that the Cubs are rebuilding. Colorado, Arizona rebuilding. Washington has. Are they actually rebuilding though? Like that's like a real act. That's a real question. Are they fielding a major league team as it stands right now? I like to think that they are all compiling assets and to put a positive spin on it, that they are all putting an effort to rebuild and play for the future. Okay. I will roll with that. Now, granted, I don't know which one of these teams is the last to say that they rebuilt. Like, which of the teams right now? Well, maybe your Twins were probably the last ones to have a farm system that they built up. Blue Jays, Twins, maybe. I would go with the Blue Jays, probably, yeah. Because you've got, like, Milwaukee and St. Louis have been good for a while. Atlanta's been good for a while. The hey, Do- Minnesota the, the Dodgers... was good for a while. We just had a... And then they were bad for a while. No, we just had a dummy shortstop that didn't want to... That got sick and got everybody else sick, too. The Dodgers and Padres basically kind of bought their teams, it feels like. No, I think I, one of these teams, one of these teams is compiling assets to build. The Baltimore Orioles. There you go. See? Rebuilding can be an honest assessment. Adley Rutschman's a stud, dude. Do you know who that is? He played at Oregon State, so it's a moderate. It's it's a weird, it's kind of a homer pick for you, but not because you don't love Oregon State. But. It is because he went to, he's, I think he's from Newburgh or Sherwood. Sherwood sounds right. Well, maybe, but yeah. Yeah, so he's from one of those schools. So he's from the Portland area and went to Oregon State, number one overall pick, and now he came up to Seattle for the first time in his major league career last weekend. And uh, he's been playing really well, so it's been fun to watch him, especially as he's a homegrown kid. So, of course, we're going to have a special place in our heart for someone that is that good that is from this area. Do you like the Mets more than the Dodgers, or are we still riding with the Dodgers? No, it's going to be the Dodgers and the Blue Jays in the World Series. The Blue Jays are going to beat them. <laughs> it's simple math. Simple we, math. What? I don't think we've talked about this on the show, and maybe a little dated by now, but did you pay attention to this Freddie Freeman drama? Oh, the fact that he doesn't want to be in L.A. apparently? Yeah, basically, what's the whole... I, I This is cliff notes and hearsay and conjecture, but basically his, his agent or manager like strong-armed the Braves and... When he found all of it out, he's like, yeah, I like, didn't really want to be traded. Like, the money's great, but he would have rather stayed with the Braves. And he didn't realize all what was going on behind the scenes with his people. Behind the scenes, more or less, his agent didn't tell him what the offer was from the from the Atlanta Braves. This, mm. So his agent just wanted him to get paid, which is normal agent right. stuff. But also, when the agent sees 5% of the check, of course, he wants to get him paid because right. he also gets paid as well. <laughs> Makes sense. Standard business. And so apparently, you know, and who knows if this is actually true, but once Freddie Freeman realized that they did offer him a contract and he knew the numbers, he said, well, what the heck? I would have taken that in a heartbeat. I wanted to be a Brave for my entire life and said, 
yeah, I don't mind making this money, and it's fun to play for an all-star team, but I would have stayed in Atlanta for my entire career, and I love the fan base, and I love the players, and I would have stayed there forever. So when he found that out, he fired his agent, and he decided that he wanted to go somewhere else, and he's playing for the Dodgers, and he's playing well, relatively. He's probably the second best player right now behind Mookie Betts, just looking at their numbers. But he's not playing in the city that he wants to play for. And say he does he win a world championship? Who knows? He already got one. So I mean, he's at, at that point. It's like, what is his, what like, what is your reasoning for playing at this point? Is he playing for a championship for the money, for the fan base, love of the game? Dare I say? Maybe you just like playing baseball. Maybe he just enjoys playing baseball. Nobody knows. Hmm. But he uh, from say, and again, this could all be a ploy. Who knows? I don't know the guy personally. None of us do. Um, and so even though he might seem like a genuine guy on Instagram, like we don't actually know if he's a genuine guy or not. Um, and this could be just a social media ploy just to get more people to like him or dislike him. Um, like we don't know him. So, um, who knows what's actually going on behind the scenes, but in, in, in the media, that's what's happening. I would not be shocked. I'm sure the Dodgers are going to want him to fulfill his contract, but whenever it's up, I didn't have time to pull it up here. I'm going to guess that he'll probably go back to the Braves and the Braves would happily take him back. That's not a small contract. That's the problem. Yeah, but your baseball teams, you have all the money in the world. You don't care about salary caps. and the, I don't, the Braves don't strike me as they're not the Rays who are only going to pay guys $10 million a year. Who knows? It's a six-year contract. So, I mean, I, I don't know how old he is. Uh, but six years would be uh, – so six years would be 38 years old. I mean, is, at that point, what is his career actually? I mean, if you're Albert Pujols and you can play forever, right. then it's maybe a different story. But even he's not really playing forever. He's just pitching forever. The people are signing him to ridiculous deals just because he's Albert Pujols. Hey, he saw some time on the mound. It was pretty nice. Him and Benji Molina. You see that? There's Benji? Yeah. Not Yachty? No. Benji. <laughs> <laughs> Who do you think the oldest – Okay, this is just pitchers. Other than Pujols, so Pujols is 42. Who else do you think is 40-plus pitching in the majors right now? There's two, two, Jimmy two. Moyer. No, what? No. Two names I think you could name, though. Carpenter? Is he still pitching? You are close. You're in the, you're in the right neighborhood. Schwarber? No. Oh, not even close. The Carpenter's the only real one that I could probably guess. Also with the St. Louis Cardinals, though. I'm not going to get it. Adam Wainwright is 42 as well. Oh, I should have got that. I and, definitely should have got that. And Rich Hill is in his 40s oh, playing yeah. for Boston. He was a minute, He was a twin last year. There are two batters that, well, Pujols is one of them. There's one other hitter, and I'll just make it easy. He plays for the Nationals if that makes it any easier. He's the only other player over 40 that's played in the majors this year. Mm, I don't think I'm going to get it, though. I think he's been popped for illegal substances on more than one occasion, but he's one of those big, just heavy hitter mashers. Nelson Cruz. Oh. Just go get a big bat as a mercenary player. Yadi Molina's 39. Robinson Cano is 39. I love Robinson Cano. I love me some Robbie Cano. Is he still playing? He, at some point in time, looks like he played for the Padres and the Mets both this year. I'm not sure which one he's actually on right now. I can't believe Nelson Cruz is still playing. That's amazing. Right. Miguel Cabrera is only 39, which it feels like Miguel Cabrera should be a lot older than Robinson Cano. Well, Miguel Cabrera hit a home run in the World Series at 18. No. 19? Off of none other than Roger Clemens. Dang. Mm. See, wouldn't that be cool to say, like, all like if you played long enough, you could name all the different players you played against? 
Yeah, from the first generation and the second generation. <laughs> like, oh, well, I played against Clemens, Pedro, and yeah, and Randy Johnson, and then I played against Verlander and Granke, and then Kershaw, and now think wh- about, whoever the new one is. Think about the amount of players that Tom Brady's played against, or Brett Favre. Or I guess Tom Brady's probably had the longest NFL career. Wasn't there a thing that he's scored a touchdown against like all but four teams? I think like the Patriots are one because the Patriots and Bucks only play each other once every four years, so he hasn't had a chance yet. But there's only like two other teams that Brady's not thrown a touchdown against. It's I can't. Like, I can't. Wouldn't. I, I. There has to be. He has to have scored a touchdown against every team. Something. I think he, it's like he's scored a touchdown or beaten every team. There's some like little. He could be the first player in history to have done. Well, something. it wouldn't be the first player to beat every team because Brett Favre did that once they, he beat the Packers. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if it could be the touchdown part. I say you could be right. That seems weird though. You'd think that by the time that he, uh, you mean, he played so many years with the. Uh, with the Patriots that he would have beaten every team or scored right. a touchdown on every team right. at, eventually, at one point. Right. Or something like that that he's – anyway. Anyway. Other other old baseball players, Joey Votto is 38. Okay. Kurt Suzuki is 38. <laughs> I can't believe he's still playing. How old is Yachty? Uh, Yachty is 39. Cano's 39. Miguel Cabrera, Joey Votto. Miguel uh, Miggy is 39. Votto's 38, Kurt Suzuki's 38, Jed Lowry is also 38, and I didn't realize this guy had been around that long. Yuli Gurriel is also 38 with the Astros. Oh, I didn't realize that he'd been on longer. Uh, that's crazy. Okay, yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. Evan Longoria is still playing. Who knew? He's a stud. He's also really fun to watch. Andrew McCutcheon is somehow only 35 years old. He's one of my favorite players to watch. Yeah, well. I like him, but I feel like he's been around forever. Well, yeah, again, well, baseball is a weird sport, too, because, I mean, you can get drafted out of high school. So you get drafted out of high school, you play two years in the minors, three years in the minors. So you play your first game at 21. Like, uh, you look at the youngest players in the league, Juan Soto's like 23, 24, 23. Tatis is like 23. Like, there's some superstars that are babies. And we don't realize how young they actually are because they get drafted, especially international players, get drafted like 17 years old. And so they spent two years in the minors. And if they're Juan Soto, like a year and a half in the minors, and they get brought up at 18, 19 years old. Bryce Harper is, what, 32? It seems like we've been watching him for forever. I mean, you get a first-round draft pick in 2009, right in that, right in that range. So Vlad Jr. is 23. There's a guy named Jeter Downs. If that guy wasn't destined to play baseball. Yeah. Well, he's probably named after someone really specific, I think. Who? I couldn't name it off the top of oh. my head. Sorry. I'm not sure. But it's like Jose Abreu, who I feel like became a star like three years ago, mm. is a year older than Justin Upton, who I feel like was a stud with like the Tampa Bay Rays in 2008. Mm. Maybe he was. That's crazy. It's weird. Sports are weird. Aging is weird. But, yeah. I don't want to do it anymore. Me either. All right. So before we get to some college football realignment and drafting some teams to some conferences, uh, do you want to make some Wimbledon picks? We're down to the quarterfinals. Well, my girl already lost, so I'm sad. Coco Goff already lost. Oh. Yeah, uh, so the men's, you've got Novak Djokovic, Cameron Nori, Rafael Nadal, and then you have some guy named Christian Guerin playing Nick Kyrgios, and I apologize for butchering every single one of these names. So uh, I'm going to guess you want to pick Novak or Rafael Nadal? I'm an, I've been a Novak guy forever. I say even though like they old need to go away, I still love watching him play. So I'm going to go with Novak until he loses. 
Well, I'll take Rafa. I prefer Federer, but he's gone, so I'll take Rafa on the doll. They all three have the same amount of championships, I think. I think Novak, unless those other guys caught him. At one point, Novak moved ahead, and nobody cared because he's kind of the most bland milk toast of the three. And like it's weird, yeah. He had the most at least for at one point last year. I'm not sure because Nadal may have tied him because he just won the French. They Open. were like all three tied at one. It was like 37, 37, and 37, or some like some arbit- like weird like re- like no one was close. Right, right. But they all three had the same amount because yeah. one always wins the French, one always wins Wimbledon, and one always right. wins U.S. And then it's a wash in Australia. Yeah. Uh, on the women's side, I have heard of one of these people. Okay. And the other ones, I. Bless me on these names. So you have Tatiana Maria under the semis versus Owns. Oh boy, Jabur. You nailed it. Yeah, all these wonderful Italian people that I don't know. Elena Rybakina, and then the one name I know, Simona Halep, is playing against Amanda Anisimova. Yeah, I'm not going to make a prediction on this one. I'm going to take Simona Halep because she's the one that I've heard of. You going to throw money on it? Uh, can I parlay Nadal and Halep? Yeah, you can totally do that. Because the, the women, I mean, for as much as we don't know about it, the women's is kind of wide open. You have the number three seed, and then you drop to the 17, the 16, and the 20. You have a bunch of unseeded players that made it to the quarterfinals. Yeah, Coco lost. I'm so mad. Yeah, the, the people you know, so Serena and Coco Goff, and I don't think Naomi Osaka played. So the people that you know were quick out. Yeah, she lost early. It was like the third round. I was sad. I was watching it on like a Saturday morning. It made me depressed, so I went back to sleep. Now, looking at these names that they have, like, the rankings, yeah, this this is how much... I feel like when I was younger, like, early 2000s, late 90s, I knew a lot more of the tennis players. I don't know if it's because I was just, like, a kid sitting at home watching TV, so I got to know a lot of them, but as time's gone on, I know a lot fewer of the men's and women's... Well, men, you need to know, like, three people. But the women's side, I know way fewer than I did back in the day. Are you telling me that you don't remember Martina Navratilova? I think that was a little before our time. Are you sure? I mean, she was, like, still around, but, like... The, the Monica Sellis, Martina Hingis, when Serena and Venus were younger. Anna Kornikova. Anna Kornikova, Steffi Graf. Steffi Graf was a little older too, wasn't she? Yeah, a little bit. Just, Justine Ennen or Justine Ennen Arden. Still you my could, favorite. You could say the men's too, Andre Agassi and Sampras. Uh, yeah. You could probably say the same bit with them as well. Andy Roddick. Oh, yeah. There's probably four or five. All right. We're going to take our last few minutes here now that we did tennis for maybe the first time in like a year. What's happening in college football? I have my theory and a potential little game for us, but I want to know what you think is going to happen in college football. Where are we headed with all these conference realignments? Is there going to be two? Is there going to be one? Is there going to be no conferences? Is there going to be four mega conferences? Are we going to have five or six and the Pac-12 is going to survive? What happens? Tell us. It's turning into minor league football is what it's really well, turning into. And not to say that it already isn't that, because it already is, um, but it's essentially becoming the uh, the the grounds where the player development grounds, the monetary grounds, all those things. So this is the development league for the NFL, um, more or less. That's what's going on. And so teams follow money. And so the Pac-12, for God bless the Pac-12, they don't spend a ton of money on the football programs because they don't believe in that. They evenly distribute. So when you get $6 million and you distribute evenly versus $25 million that's distributed throughout the programs um, just for the football programs, it's a, it makes a big difference. And so it's weird to think that the USC and UCLA are going to be part of the pig den. Um, but the part, the issue that the Pac-12 is going to run into is academically they can't pick up schools like a Boise State um, because Boise State's not are ready we, to be in the Pac-12. We, 
this is the thing that gets me that we're still trying to claim that they are student athletes. And yes, I get, I feel like the Big Ten and the Pac-12 are the two that are especially like, oh no, it's all about academics. Like, uh, maybe for your other sports, but don't sit here and tell me that this is not all about football money, but mostly from football and a little bit of men's basketball. Yeah, they are. They are because they are required to attend an institution. That's the only reason that that makes it that way. But if you've ever dove, divin, dive, dove, divin. Yeah, definitely divin. Divin into into the life of a Division I athlete, I say they spend two-thirds of their time, if not more, on football and probably one-third or less of their time on academics. And especially now that you're paying them above a board. If you're making $2 million a year to play football, do you care about your – econ 101 class no because you can pay someone to take the class for you exactly you just i mean and still and still there's ways that they do it like they have coaches and you know tas and you know player personnel that ensures that the kids attend to their classes but at the end of the day they're not forcing them to do homework and so you know you can there's there's always ways to manipulate that and it's true if you're telling me i'm making two million dollars a year to play football man you say i am not going to class no. Are you kidding me? I'll figure out a way to get an A in that class without even having to blink an eye. So, conference-wise, do you think we're going to end up with conferences or we're going to end up with super conferences? And you know, I can't, I, I couldn't tell you who or where or what's going to happen, but say I wouldn't be shocked if we ended up with two 18-team conferences, 16-team, 18-team, something around that range, probably two or three. Um, again, because you just look at the financial distribution of the Big Ten. It says you use the Big Ten, SEC. And who knows? Big Twelve, maybe you know. I said, or the ACC. You want to, but I think the Pac Twelve, and again, it's it's, it's unfortunate that it's conference of champions, but they it's gonna be because I do think what they said it's UC, USC, and UCLA are leaving, but it, a handful of their sports are still gonna compete in the Pac Twelve. Well, there's there's a lot of sports that do that. Like we think about it, we hear that they're leaving because they're competing in the the main one, basketball, football, and yeah, those two men's, women's basketball, and football. We have some schools that have baseball teams or like I, I think of it from a collegiate wrestling side where like the big 12 wrestling tournament picked up a bunch of other schools that only compete in wrestling. So right. when we talk about conference realignment, it's basically football and basketball, like right. tennis, and like USC and UCLA who are amazing at all these sports that are not going to be feasible in the Midwest. Like they're still going to have their water polo and their beach volleyball and some of these other sports that compete in the Pac-12 more or less yeah, or some other conference, whatever it shakes out to be. Right. So when we talk about this, I feel like it's almost all football, and maybe that is what it is. Maybe this becomes a splinter thing for football, and they do their own, and somehow even college basketball becomes a different thing in the next ten well, years. Well, what needs to happen, and this isn't this is this is the crazy part about all of it with the NIL and everything, is that there needs to be a commissioner of college football, somebody that can right. make decisions to oversee what's going on in college football. Because if you're smart enough and you follow sports, you understand that football. And men's basketball, women's basketball now is getting there too, are completely different than every other sport that's played in the NCAA. I mean, you think about the big sports, soccer, lacrosse, whatever, big sports. I said those championships maybe pull 8,000 people, 7,000 people. I mean, you can get 10,000 people to Indiana-Purdue game. Basketball. Yeah. yeah. Like, it's just it's a different world. And so there's just going to – there has to be some sort of legislative branch, somebody to make decisions to oversee – what is actually going on with the football programs, with the NCAA in the football as an entity versus trying to oversee the entire NCAA? Because the decisions are different for Cal water polo and Nebraska volleyball than it is for Alabama football and right. Oregon football. Like, it's different. Right. 
So what do, you, what do you foresee happening with your beloved Pac-12? Do you think they pick up some teams and survive, or do you think they're going to basically merge with the Big 12? They're probably going to end up merging with the Big 12. I, I mean, I can't imagine a way. Like, again, what the, the, the real question is what teams would they pick up? Boise State, BYU, BYU doesn't need to go anywhere they have all that money. Well, I say just realistically, like the same reason why Notre Dame has stayed independent for so long is because, I mean, good and bad, the church pays for a lot of stuff, so they don't have to. I came up with an an idea here. So the Big 12, they're going to lose Oklahoma and Texas. Yep. That's going to make the SEC 16 teams. It's crazy. USC okay. and UCLA going to the Big 10 makes them 16 teams. Right. So if the Big the Big 12 is already set to add Cincinnati, Central Florida, BYU, and Houston, that gets them to 12. So they need to get four more schools, which is where I, this is where I think it becomes do you do 16 teams? And I haven't, I've heard the four 16-team super conferences, but I think we could see four 20-team conferences. And that's what I wonder, which would they take? And yes, you had Cal and UCLA split off. USC is a private school, so they're a different situation, kind of like Stanford. But if Cal and UCLA are part of the same system and one got left behind, it's like, well, what the heck? What, what is Cal supposed to do? Well, there's, what, oh, there's other schools in that system, though, that play in different conferences. But they're the smaller ones, like UC Irvine and right. Santa Barbara. It was like, eh. Right, well, but I, but still, I, though. But I wonder what would Oregon and Washington do, like, could a, I, I, I think from a Big 12, would an Oregon and Washington go and leave behind Oregon State and Washington State? Or would the Board of Regents make them be like, hey, you want Oregon, you got to take the Beavs too? Yeah, and that's I think those are the big, those are the names, right? Those are the ones that can get left behind the Northwest. Um, and it's going to be hard because the Oregon and Washington have much bigger brands than Oregon State and Washington State do. Right. So I think it's the obvious choices you would take are Oregon and Washington because it brings more money, because it brings more fans, because it brings a, a lot more than what Oregon State and Washington State bring to the table. So it would be smart for them to want to have to take both, but is that something that, that, that everybody is aligned with? Well, because I think, it, speaking on behalf of the Big 12, I think if you want to pick four teams, I would go, I would cherry pick. I want Washington, I want Oregon, I want Stanford, and I want Arizona. Mostly because I get Arizona basketball, and you get Stanford for being elite hoity-toity. And that, yeah, I would take the biggest brands, but then, yeah, you have those other, what, you'd be left with six teams in the Pac-12. I think you could go add, basically, you go pillage the Mountain West. You get Fresno, Boise, Air Force. Utah State, potentially, right. Yeah, get some of those to flesh it out. Or I could also see the, I think there could be the 20-team conference. And here's where I think the, I think the ACC survives. I think they're so they're at fourteen now. I think they would get Stanford and Cal because I feel like ACC would like to have that. The because they've that got be crazy they, to have Stanford and Cal and playing in the Atlantic Coast Conference. Well, how crazy is that? The Southern California teams are playing in the Big Ten. I get it, but it just is so different. But I, th- I think from the academic side, the ACC they've totally. got, they've got Duke, Wake, Boston College, Virginia, North Carolina. Like that, I feel like right. the academic standards are more like that would be in line, and I feel like Stanford and Cal would want to be born at the academic schools. So I think those two would take them to 16. And then I, the odd ones out, I feel like, are Colorado and Utah. I feel like those are the two in the toughest spot unless the Big 12 wants to take Colorado back. Well, and then, again, the real question comes to what happens to Notre Dame? Like, where are they I, going? Because they, 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 play, they play ACC basketball. Right. They're not independent in basketball, but they're independent in football. And they have all these longstanding contracts with Navy and Michigan and USC and all these all these, all these games that are scheduled – five, six, seven, eight years out, financially binding. Like If they have to join a conference, what do they do with that? Like, how does that work? They, have to, they technically still have to play five ACC conference teams every year, mm-hmm. right? So they're a part of the ACC, even though they're not actually part of the ACC. 
where does that land? Where does they pick? Do they go to the Big Ten? Do they go, do they go to the ACC? Where do they do? What do they do? And that could be something as well. If if we, if we get the four twenty team ones, if you're the ACC, be like, all right, we'll add, we'll take Notre Dame, UConn, Army, and Navy. Because I feel like there's something. I think teams or, or conferences are going to want those military academies for that prestige. But yeah, if you're the ACC, be like, nope, we got twenty, we're good. We got Notre Dame, the military academies, and then you got UConn for men's and women's basketball, and theoretically football someday. Rolling. Why would you need anything else? You don't need anything else. Yeah, I, I I do think the Big Twelve and the Big Twelve and Pac twelve merger, I think, is that's going to that's, that's going to happen. That will they have no they don't really have an option. But I wonder, can is there any way to not take BYU, UCF, Cincy, and Houston? Those four that are coming over, they locked in. Like you can't change course now. We're like, well, could, could could West Virginia leave and go to the ACC to make room for another team? Like I don't know if you can boot somebody out or if somebody can, or would West Virginia want to go to the ACC? Like I, I don't know how these. Well, they already they work. already were in the ACC. They left the ACC. But that's what would would they want to go back? That's why I wonder. What I these doubt it. I did, are. There's a reason why they left in the first place. That's true. That same with Colorado. Would Colorado want to come back to the Big Twelve, or would the Big Twelve be like, no, you had your chance and you left? But yeah, well, again, it would, the same thing with Nebraska. Nebraska's a Big Ten school, but they're a Big Twelve school. Like they're a Big Ten school, but they're a Big Twelve school. Like what? Are, like they're a Big Ten school now. Yeah. So it's all over the place. I think we're going to get to four 20-team mega conferences, and it's, it's going to be—it's going to be a weird thing. And it's—it's kind of—it's going to be where do the teams fall? Because if you, if you do the four 20s, which two Pac-12 teams are left out in the cold? And I think that's Utah and Colorado. And so then, how do you how do you build the postseason after that? That's that's the tough thing. Does every you get two teams from each conference into a huge playoff? Go Alabama. That is the worst take you can have in college football. Go Auburn. Slightly better take. Go Bo Nix. Go not the SEC. That's if you, if you take nothing else from this, and we're not going to be able to solve this today, but we're going to talk about it in coming weeks till we come up with a solution, and then we'll write a letter to somebody. But just just go not the SEC. Whoever wins, just not the SEC, however this shakes out in the future. Hater. Yes. You, what since when do you have an affinity for the SEC, <laughs> Mr. Arizona and Minnesota and Pacific Northwest? Literally everything but the Southeast. It's because I've never lived there. Bandwagoner. That's not true. Front runner. That's not true. If I was a bandwagoner, I'd be an Alabama fan 10 years ago. Really, I would have been a Clemson fan because they're hot and fun and sexy. Everybody knows what Clemsoning means. They're sexy. Yeah, that's what, is that what you think when you see Dabo? Mm-hmm. <laughs> all right well thank you everybody for joining us we'll be back next week for episode 66 which i think is going to be a little bit challenging i think a lot more athletes were 66 yarmir yager there we go we'll start there no he's 68 is he 68 66 yeah. is a good number 66 though. is a good it's number a hockey number ray nitschke stands out to me didn't you say eric gagne was 66 we got, some, we got some numbers well, we thank you all for joining us on the sports gospel you can find us anywhere you find your podcast stitcher spotify google podcast sportsgospel.com thank you all for joining us we'll be back next thursday night episode 66 that's right